all of the pieces of the puzzle are there for severe weather during the day tomorrow. Whether it was hunkering down for thunderstorms or bracing for a blast of winter. So that puts the wind chill at 16 degrees below zero. Bob and Kevin Gregory have just about seen it all. Their last name synonymous with weather reporting in Indiana. In fact, a Gregory's been delivering forecasts on local TV news for the past 50 years. Join me for a conversation with Bob and Kevin Gregory, the first family of forecasting on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. This is a like father, like son story, like few others. The first time Hoosiers heard a Gregory deliver a weather forecast, 1972, when dad, Bob, started his nearly 30-year run at WTHR-TV in Indianapolis. No wonder Kevin followed in his father's footsteps. As a young boy, he'd frequently tag along with his dad to the TV studio learning the tricks of the trade. Kevin landed in Indianapolis at WRTV in 1989 and has been a fixture forecasting weather there for more than 30 years. And I am very pleased to be joined by uh, Bob Gregory and son Kevin. I, I dubbed them, and I don't know if you guys have had this, been called this before, but the first family of forecasters. How about that? No, that'd be new. That'd be new to me. <laughs> Generous and very nice. Very, very good. Well, hey, thank you guys very much for joining us. How are you? Great, yeah. great, great, great. Excellent. So you mentioned, um, you know, jokingly, first family of forecasting. But what's kind of fun is that it'll be fifty years that one of us has been on. Dad started July third, nineteen seventy-two, and so one of us has been on since then. So my goal is when I retire that. Finally, Central Indiana can get an accurate forecast. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you are kidding and, and being funny, but that that is quite an accomplishment. And I know the word legend is is thrown around, I think, too frequently. But in this case, uh, Bob and Kevin, you're you're certainly right there as well. It's 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 accurate. It's apropos. You all have had such an impact on broadcasting, and in particular, obviously, the weather uh, game, the important game of weather. Uh, in our region, in our state. Bob, what have you been up to? Because you kind of semi-retired a number of years ago. How, how are you doing? <laughs> Be more precise, I was last century, Gary, <laughs> when, when you think about it, because I retired at the end of 2000. But um, still trying to learn how to play golf, read, travel, uh, enjoy the sunshine. I try to limit my going outside on sunny days. That way I can see my shadow and I feel as though it should be safe. Yep. That's good. How 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 is the golf game? Awful, but I keep trying. <laughs> Haven't run out of golf balls yet, but you know, no, it's fun just to get out and kind of accept the challenge and move on. And one day parts of it work good, and then the next day, no. So it's something else. So one thing, Gary, um, you know, he didn't mention his dad went through cancer here in the last uh, year and a half. So that was a a challenge and a successful one, and. I'll let dad talk about the Gregory family tree is, 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 is small with 
short branches. So just tell them a little bit about your yeah. parents. And well, I have a I have a younger sister who lives in L.A. and it's just the two of us. But both of our parents uh, died of heart disease before they were fifty. Oh wow! So this is this is going way back. So you know, every March we kind of just get a little tense just because that's been the family history. But you know, all of a sudden here I am. I mean, I guess you know how old I am. I'm I'm older. I uh, am just moving right along. And Hang on one second. 85. <laughs> <laughs> and, Thank you, Kev. And how lucky I've been, you know, through this whole thing, you know, to watch, watch the kids grow up and now the grandkids. And that was something that was never in my mind, you know, in the earlier days. So it's, it's really a blessing and you know, I'm very fortunate. Yeah. And got through the cancer situation in, in good shape. You look great, sound great. I did. It was, it, if I could just share that story with you, that uh, Dr. Bahire was the oncologist that I went to. And uh, we had to go through a lightning bunch of tests in a week's time because I was kind of in trouble, more trouble than I didn't realize at the time. But anyway, uh, to get to the punch story, he says, well, I've got good news and I've got good news. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, with the kind of cancer you have, he says, we can treat it. That's successful. And he said, with COVID out there now, he says, you ain't going anywhere anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. I both just both worked out perfectly. So it's great. That's awesome. Kevin, I don't know. You talk about feeling old. I feel old because I remember when you arrived uh, as a young whippersnapper at, uh, at Channel 6 many years ago. And obviously, uh, you have been such a stalwart on the air there. Uh, I think was 19, uh, 1989 the year you, you arrived? Yeah, August of 89. Yeah, I remember it well. I was totally intimidated, wasn't sure whether I should take the job. And honestly, I mean, the best thing was, is I came in, Ben Morrison and I did, we didn't have a morning show at that point. We did morning cut-ins during Good Morning America. And yeah. then I did midday news. And so it allowed me to continue to grow professionally. Bob McLean and David James really handled the the lion's share of what was going on. And so I was just able to mature. I was 24 and get my feet settled uh, into what was going on. Because I, I think you you talk about, you know, legend or whatever you want to say. I think that, you know, Bob McClain started at Channel 6 in 1972. Stan Wood, his career was from 1957 to 91. Wow. Yeah. And wow. so that group, had as close to people's undivided attention as you can have because there were three or four newscasts. You had, you had Channel 4, WTTV. Otherwise, you had the network affiliates. So they built a bond and a relationship with viewers that cannot be duplicated today. Yeah. There are a million different things, and I'll hold up you know, the phone, is um, now everybody's weatherman with them all day long. And, and so I just think that's an interesting part. So I started following my dad to work 1972 mm -hmm. um, to Channel 13. I was in second grade. And Channel 13, the original was there at 14th and Meridian. Yeah. Today, yep. it's a different business. But I love this, and it's humbling. If you go in the building, the studio is intact. It's still there. It's a full-court basketball court. Well, I didn't know it, you know, because we taped our show inside Indiana business in that building at WFYI. They've since moved up the street, but yep. uh, for many years, I didn't know that's what they did with that. 
Yeah, so it's a full court, court basketball court for the employees. So why I say it's humbling is to know that where I've spent my life, 33 years, uh, could be cleared out over the weekend, basketball goals put up, and uh, it has a new use. That, that is good. <laughs> hey, I want to ask each of you this because, Kevin, you talk about building that, that bond with viewers, that trust with viewers, which is very important in news, very important in weather. Bob, as you reflect back on your career, and, and both you guys did such a great job of that, really exuding trustworthiness, if you will, uh, with viewers. What, what, in your view, Bob, as you reflect on your career, was the most important element in connecting with the, with the viewer? Well, I think the first thing, Gary, that I recall, one of the first bosses that I had, he said, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Ah, yeah. And he said, if something goes awry, bring the viewer in. Let them be part of the experience so they know what's going on. So I think that's indirectly you end up with that bond that you have some things that just, you know, don't go correctly. But when they become part of it, they can share that experience with you. Mm -hmm. And I started my first television job was 1961. We were black and white, no videotape or whatever. But then you had the war, the protests and all kinds of things going on. Network news, as I recall, was only 15 minutes in the early days. So also um, not being afraid to make a mistake, which was a good piece of advice, but I don't know, somehow I had the ability to do what I did. But anyway, I always thought it was important somehow during the course of the broadcast, if it's visually or something you say, is to leave people smiling or a happy note somewhere no matter what all the other stuff is around you, you know, hopefully there's something positive and something you can smile about and you move on. Yeah. One thing I'll add to that, Gary, that I think that, you know, his generation bonded with people is events. Um, Super outbreak in 1974 tornadoes, the blizzard of uh, 1978 was a moment where again, um, people couldn't search 80 channels. And, yep. and so they had three options. And so whether it was Stan, Bob McClain, or my dad, people just locked in. They were stuck in their home. And those are moments that people remember family events, what they were doing during the blizzard of 78. And certainly TV was a part of that. What I'll also mention, and, and you know this being in a television studio, uh, to those listening, there is nothing real about a television studio. Today, I talked to a camera with no one behind it point to things on a wall that don't exist, carry on a conversation with people at home I can't interact with, but right. just be natural. <laughs> so if, if I were to step outside and report and the birds are singing and the wind is blowing and cars are driving by, that's a real environment. Yeah. But in the studio, it's not. And so it's awkward and it takes a long time to become natural at that. Do I still get nervous today? Absolutely. I'll get nervous if I think I'm going to get nervous. Not that um, you're thinking about how many people you're talking to because you can't see them. I'd rather see people because then I can tell if you're bored, if you're looking the other way, you're checking your watch, whatever it happens to be. The other thing I could, if I can interrupt here, sure. Gary, I think that his talent talking about getting people included, one of the testiest things is to be out at a remote where there's a lot of people around where you've got everybody screaming and yelling in the background. They want to be on TV and whatever. And after you do that, some days it can become a big irritant in all caps. Yeah. But in other days, it's something you cope with. But Kevin always had the 
the ability to get that crowd involved in what he was doing, whether it was adults at the Super Bowl, because I remember of a story that a guy that was from out of town was here for the Super Bowl, and he was just standing across the street watching Kevin do a broadcast or something. And as I recall, he came up to him afterward and said, boy, congratulations. He said, you just really did a super job yeah. of getting the crowd that surrounded you involved in the entire broadcast. So everybody comes out a winner. Well, not everybody can do that. He just has yeah. the natural ability. To- but that's the desire to make it real, to, to, you know, to make TV real. And it's real with other people. And it's it's a real environment. And that's where, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So this is tough TV people talking to TV people. I don't want to lead you. You, you lead us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, hey so natural that you would follow in your dad's footsteps, but I know, and you mentioned it earlier, that you would go, as I understand, you would go to the station on Friday nights with your dad and watch watch him do the his, his broadcast, right? The, the weathercast. What do you remember about those days? And you were young, a youngster then. I remember that everything was real. And what I mean by that is today's world is all computers. There's no one behind the cameras. They're robotic. So you'd have three camera operators. You'd have a director, a technical director, an audio person, floor director. And and then I also remember names. And I just jotted a few quick down. Let me just go through THR and I'll just rattle them off. John Lindsay, Paul Udell, Marianne Childers, Lou Choate, Cameron Harper, Patrick Emery, Barry Judge, Betsy Ross, Tom Cochran, Kerry Jackson, Bruce Kopp, Ann Ryder. Let yeah. me go through WRTV real quick. Ken Beckley, Howard Caldwell, Clyde Lee, Tracy Orff, Dion Willis, Barbara Lewis, James Adams, uh, Barbara Boyd, Greg Todd, yeah, um, and and Chet Kopic, Don Hine, Tom Carnegie, Chris Roberts, Ed Sorensen, Ed Harding, Mark Patrick, um, Brian Hammonds, Jerry Harkness, Kevin Madden, Scott Hope. So it's people that I remember. It's relationships that I remember, and ironically. I can remember being in a film lab. So in the old days, you know, you had film and it would be developed in all the chemicals and then it would be edited, spliced. The extra would go on the floor and then the story would finally hit the air. Some of the gentlemen that I was bothering as a third and fourth grader, (laughs) we ended up working together. Uh, Bob Newell, Mike Starnes, uh, these were photographers. And and so um, it was just funny to see some of that come full circle. And I think your point, Kevin, is so well taken. It's the people. And you think about some of those names, and there are others, of course. Reporters' names, too. I've got you want to hear some more? Because I go. think you, yeah. All right. So Rich Van Wyck, Norman Cox, Jack Reinhardt, David McAnally, Ben Morriston, Cy Jenkins, Derek Thomas, Dick Wolfsey, David Barris, Eric Culverson, Patty Spittler, Linda <laughs> Lapierre, Marilyn Lease. And I haven't even gone through some of the weather. Bill Crawford was WRTV's first weatherman, 1950 to 1964. Wow. Uh, Bob McLean, 72 to 2002. Stanwood, 57 to 91. You were 1972 to 2000. 2000. Cliff Nicholson, Chris Wright, David James, Chuck Lofton, Randy Aulis, Brian Wilkes, Angela Buckman, Sean Ash, Todd Clauston, Kyle Mounds. Um, that, is, yeah, those, that is amazing. That, yeah. It's so, you know, it also shows you, I think the speed at which the names come into the market and out of the market are changing. The whole business has changed. And so where you have incredible stability for such a long period of time, now it is more transitory for all kinds of reasons. And look at how you turned your niche into a business in that. 
we have reporters and photographers now that go to work for hospitals, that go yeah. to work for a town, Whitestown. And, and so everybody has to feed their website, tell their story, attract, um, whether it's patients, whether it's companies to their town and, and sell it. And it's done through the same storytelling that broadcasters do every day. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, that that change in the business, uh, more on the news side, but these so-called one-man bands, you know, where these reporters, you know, the, the multimedia journalists, where you're not going out with a photographer, it's a reporter yeah. you know, shooting the video, reporting, doing the stand-up and all those kinds of things uh, that used to be done in the smallest of markets, but now markets of all sizes, including Indianapolis, do it all the time. Uh, this is a live truck. Um, no yeah. longer do you see the microwave trucks up there. All right, and I'm going to stop talking about my dad talking. And I just reflect on how easy it was for us to get connected to start this adventure this morning. <laughs> we, yeah, we actually we actually started last Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had we had some challenges. We got it done, so that's what we were we were we were very good in in getting uh, it done. Howard Caldwell, I always loved this. Um, he and Tom Carnegie had a great relationship. Both had an incredible sense of humor. Yeah. Um, both have obviously uh, left us, but left us with lots of memories and great examples to follow. But Tom Carnegie would always needle Howard and he would talk about something that happened at the station. And that was B.C. <laughs> before Caldwell. <laughs> I, and that's a good impression, too. That that sounds just like Tom. That really does. One of the last times I talked to him on the phone, I would stay in contact with him after long after he retired. And we used to do something called the Antique Auto Tour. He sure. was the grand marshal for that. So I just stayed in touch with him. And I called him one time and we're talking. And after about 10 or 15 minutes, remind me, who am I talking to? <laughs> <laughs> that is outstanding. You know, you mentioned the Antique Auto Tour and, and that, uh, you know, the events and the connection to community that stations had, uh, I think, more so years ago, I think, than even today. And Bob, I know that was such an important part of, of, of your career too, the Coach for Kids that you did for so many years. And I think maybe you're are, are perhaps still involved with it. You did again, and, and I remember this. Was it the was it the brain game? Right. Yes. You yep. did that for years. That was yeah. a, that was a staple on, on television. Oh, sure. I think it's I still the longest about. running show in TV. Yeah. Uh, it's still ongoing. Yeah. Is it I, wow? That is amazing. And it's it's very cool. Bob, and I like your thought on it too, Kevin, but in terms of that connection to community, being part of the community, uh, just reflect on, from your standpoint, the importance of that connection to community. Well, I just think it's, it, it, as Kevin said, you, you, you get the people involved and they get to see you on a first name basis. And we used to go out, you know, as an example of, they called it Live at Five on the Road, where we went with Channel 13 would go out to a community on Friday and you'd meet all of the people and, and everybody would be there for several broadcasts and that. And those are things that I, I think got lost in, in our modern ways of communication now. We just don't have the personnel, don't have the time and, and the expense to cover events like that. So I think we were very fortunate in being part of that, which is just, I think, a significant part of broadcasting. But kind of a dying part as well. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, when I, when I first started at Channel 13 in Rockford, Illinois, we did not have videotape. The first videotape the station got was a truck by Ampex. They were the big, you know, two-inch tape maker. Well, that first machine was in a truck. Wow. And so we got that at Channel 13. So what we used to do on Fridays 
we were the big uh, VHF station covering all of Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin. And so we'd go out on Fridays and videotape in various communities, and then we could come back and then run it, saluting that particular community every week. So that was kind of my first experience of doing your man on the street, if you will. You'd show up in yeah. whatever city, you know, Freeport, Illinois or something, yeah. and, and have a little session. So it's those live things where people, you know, get out to see you and you get a chance to hear what they're doing in their community and and, and bring light to that because that's really what, what communication should be, I guess. Yeah. I'm finding out what these small communities are doing and how they're handling you know, the fun things and the news people take care of the heavyweight stuff. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. babble on here. Yeah, no, that's good. That, that's very good. Uh, Kevin, I'll take you first on this. Is there more Oops. pressure today on that accuracy thing from a weather uh, standpoint? Because, you know, with social media and everything and these apps that, you know, it's not that, hey, it's going to rain tomorrow morning. It's going to rain at 815. You know, they're so precise. <laughs> How does that play into the, the game today? Well, so what's fun is that I will get emails. Your dad had half the equipment that you do, and you're not even anywhere close to as accurate as they were back in the 70s. And so I, I think that... And I'm not going to mess with those memories either. <laughs> well, we're never wrong. The timing's just off. Um, so what I would say is that think about this. In the old days, you had a tangible map. They had a, a Midwest map, a state map, a national map. Break it down. On the Indiana map, they had counties, and that's it. And you'd put up magnetic cold fronts and a magnetic temperature. Um, the radar wasn't anywhere close to what it is today. So the romanticized version is, yeah, they were they were more accurate, and and yet they were so broad brush that it wasn't anywhere close to as helpful as today. So what you're getting at is on our maps, it has a timestamp. And so time and location, where it gets specifically tricky, we're getting into that now because it's really dry. People are going to focus on the radar, look at the thunderstorm, it's coming my way, it's coming my way. Oh, no, it's split. Or it always goes around me. Or uh, So they focus on, or when we say that we'll only have an inch of snow by 9 a.m., it will be from Lafayette to Terre Haute, then get to Indy, uh, in another hour. If you wake up and we already have two inches of snow, it's seen as a blown forecast. Yeah. And it may be in the sense that it's it's 60 miles off in an hour early, but you, you, you're hitting on that. And the other thing that I think is interesting is that people take what they see on their phone very literally. And I was sitting next to some folks that were from out of town at an event and they were looking at their hourly forecast. And, and the lady said, it's not going to rain for three more hours. See, it says here four o'clock is when it's going to rain. Well, I knew because I just looked at radar, it was going to be pouring when we walked out of that building. <laughs> but she didn't question that because that's what the app said. So where do we come in? The living, breathing person has to add context to the inanimate yeah. object of these apps. And I still think it's events, whether it's severe weather coverage today. One of the things that I've always tried to do is, is be there whenever we have severe weather, whether that's yeah. overnight. And I think for us in modern times, the bonding time is during these overnight storms that wake you up in the middle of the night and you flip on the TV. Yeah. If we interrupt an infomercial, you buy the half hour. In other words, you have to remake the whole commercial. Mm -hmm. So I would fall downstairs and I'd say, how much is this infomercial? 
and they'd give me a price and I'd go sold. And then <laughs> I, I would go on because I thought it was more important to be there for viewers. If you hop in and out, then it gets more difficult to, to find. So yeah, yeah. I, I think because we're so specific, we're sometimes seen as not as accurate as people would like, but it's getting better and better and more um, high resolution forecasting. One, one last thing, and I'll shut my dad yeah. talk. I felt like when I started, I had a personal relationship with farmers. Ah, they had yeah. to get out of their combine midday, come in, hear what we had to say, look at the radar. How much time do they have? How's the wind going to impact my spraying operation? How much rain have we had in the last 30 days? How many hours of sunshine am I going to have? What's the minimum relative humidity? They needed me or a broadcaster for all of that. Today, they have the radar in the combine. They have real-time weather information. And so I've lost that bond um, with them in, in that immediate sense. I'm sure they still look for long-range things, but they don't have to yeah. get out of the combine, go in the house and find out what's going on. Yeah. But as, as an adjunct to that is in, in giving the weather forecast, you know, you might be thinking, oh man, it's just going to be a wonderful day to go out and play golf or go out and boat. But somewhere else in the county, the farmers out there are like, come on, man, we haven't had any rain here right. in three yeah. weeks. I need to grow the soybeans and I need, so, you know, you have to be sure that he's involved in your audience as well. And not everything is for boaters and golfers. Yeah. So yeah. you, you have to be aware of that before the criticism, you know, yeah. hits you or if that's the right word to use. Very good. Hey, we're going to have much more with Bob and Kevin Gregory when we return. Including uh, maybe reflection back on the early days. That's when the Business and Beyond podcast continues. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guests this week plural, two guests, weather legends, Bob and Kevin Gregory. And guys, uh, let's reflect back to the very early days. You touched on this, Bob, but you grew up Beloit, Wisconsin, your, your hometown? That was my hometown. Yes. Grew up. Both the boys were, were born in, in Beloit. My parents had owned a Ben Franklin store. I don't know if oh, many wow. people remember that. Yeah. That was like uh, a Kresge or what eventually became Kmart, but they were individually owned five and dime stores. So I grew up in the retail business and thought maybe that was the path I was going to follow, but I, I wouldn't follow that too long. Yeah. The Walton family would have chewed me up. And <laughs> okay. Right. Anyway, so I started in, in radio in Beloit. I had no experience. I just somehow I knew I wanted to be a broadcaster and I picked out the local radio station and got to know some of the people there and just adopted the attitude that, you know, these guys are either going to give me a job or throw me out. And fortunately, <laughs> they gave me a job and that's where it started. And then my parents had passed. And so and, and, and I, get, I got married and lived in Beloit. But my first television job was at Channel 13 in Rockford. So I okay. drive back and forth. And spent about five years or so at Channel 13. Of all the stations I've worked for, all except one were 13s. Channel 13. Ah, that's interesting. The only exception was Channel 30. I think it was 31 in Peoria, WMBD. He and Don Hine worked together in Peoria, Illinois from 1968 to 1970. Yeah. Okay. The uh, the old sports guy, Don Hine. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever catch up with, with Don? How's he doing? 
oh, sure, yeah, I talked to him every once in a while. And had the, oh, year or so ago, had a round of golf together. He's doing fine, retired, enjoying playing a lot of pickleball. I guess that's his sport right now. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, Bob, how'd you get to Indianapolis? What what uh, got you to uh, to Channel 13 in Indy? Well, I was, how, how did that go? I was working in Peoria at the time, and we did both radio and television. So I did afternoon radio, and then I was the main weather guy in the late show. And um, a fellow that I had worked for, well, I, I was called by Channel 13 in Indianapolis. And I uh, came over for an interview, thought I was going to be hired. This was 68. And I kept waiting and waiting to hear what was going on. And, and I didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. And so I called and said, you know, what? what's the deal over there? And fortunately, I hadn't given notice. And uh, the gentleman said, well, you didn't get my letter? And I said, no, what letter was that that I didn't get? And he said, well, we're not going to hire anybody right now. We've had a change. So anyway, that was 68. He said he was waiting and waiting and waiting. He was waiting on a text. Yeah. And so then he realized, oh, my God, they don't have texting yet. Okay. So you didn't get it. Then you go to New York, Albany. So then I went to Albany, New York. Had a oh, chance wow. for five days a week. That was a big deal in broadcasting at that time. And uh, worked there for three years. And then Channel 13 in Indianapolis called again and said, hey, you know, uh, we're looking for a person. And uh, are you still interested? And I said, certainly. And. So they flew me out and talked and bang, I was hired and that was the end of that, you know, that, so that that was in July 3rd of 72. So it just came full circle. So yeah, yeah. Um, New York State was a nice place to live. I didn't, you know, it just, yeah, I wanted to be back in the Midwest. I wanted the kids to grow up in the Midwest. And so it just all worked out perfectly. So whether it was Howard Caldwell, uh, my dad, people of that generation, they had to make the risky decision do I cross over? Do I leave radio and go to TV? Uh, yeah. And because nobody really knew how that would stick and, and what, what would the future be? And, and so, yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Bob, as you said, you moved to Indianapolis. So Kevin, that's your formative years growing up West Sider, right? Ben Davis high school. Yeah. Ben Davis. So 1972 until now. I mean, um, so Dave Calabro, who uh, does sports on Channel 13, his dad was my principal in elementary school. And um, so grew up with the Calabros. And, and I think this is so great for kids in central Indiana. So Ben Davis had WBDG, mm -hmm. and it's a high school radio and now well-established TV program. Pike has that. Carmel has that. Warren Central has Warren, that. Yep. And so... These kids now, number one, come to those programs pretty sophisticated because they know how to edit with their phone and tell stories. And but that was formative for me, um, just being able to to try my hand at. And at that time, it was radio and, and doing high school basketball, football games, doing newscasts. And I always remember this: we had one week you do state and local news. The next week you do national news, the next week you do sports in your class. So you do these live broadcasts. And this one um, student, he didn't like sports, didn't know anything about sports, didn't care. And so he was talking about uh, the Pacers lost to the Lakers in double overtime last night. Karam Abba Jabber scored 32 <laughs> points. And he announced the CY Young Award baseball winner. And so these are fun stories that I just always remember. And for myself, I remember this absolutely 100%. My first 
time on the radio there. I'm uh, maybe a minute in and I had to shut the microphone off. I was hyperventilating and I was so nervous. And even though no one beyond the guardrails of the parking lot at Ben Davis could really hear me, um, again, it wasn't about that. It was just my own. Uh, the other thing is all the records I played as a kid at Ben Davis, uh, James Taylor, Christopher Cross, my friends would break those. They would call me up and say, what was that song by Leo Sayer? And I'd go, oh, more than I can say. And they'd go, click, and they'd break it. And so before long, I had to play ACDC and all the hard rock and everything that they wanted. They didn't like my soft rock. <laughs> so I worked for six months at WLFI, then in Champaign, Illinois for a year, and then came back to Indianapolis in 89. As a, and as I said, came back before I was ready to be here. But the station thought I had potential, thought that they would like someone like me to be around and um, they let me grow professionally without giving me too much responsibility and um, and learn from others. And, and that was very important. Yeah. And, and you mentioned WLFI in West Lafayette, a very natural transition. Was that after you left Purdue? Yeah. So I was there for six months, worked with Mike Piggott, Larry Clisby, mm-hmm. um, Bob Ford. Very uh, helpful, uh, informative time. I gained weight making $4 an hour. I still have a check with me. And I actually called Mike Piggott recently and I sent him a, a picture. So it was $320 every two weeks gross. <laughs> I take home 280 and I gained weight. And so I sent him a, sent him a picture of that check. I said, look at this. And he said, and I had a fight for you to get that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. That's very good. Hey, and I, I should mention your time at Purdue, two things. I knew one of them. I didn't know the other. So you you were a Phi Beta Kappa? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. knew you were a smart guy, but man, that's impressive. Well, his mother's side of the family there. <laughs> yeah. So what was interesting is I probably thought I would never go into weather because that's what my dad did. So communications at Purdue. Um, I worked with the meteorology department. They put it together instructional meteorological programs for junior highs and high schools. So after school, I ended up going back to school for 40 hours of core meteorology through broadcast meteorology program. And, um, and then, you know, the AMS has these certifications and tests you have to pass. And, and so that was my route. And I, I consider our job a Bermuda Triangle of meteorological knowledge, computer artistic ability, and the ability to communicate. And I, I say it that way because... Um, I get lost in there every day. Some days your mind and mouth aren't connected. Like when my dad said, well, the reason for the record cold this weekend, as you can see in Canada, there's a huge Canadian mare's ass, uh, (laughs) air mass. Sometimes your mind and mouth aren't connected. Sometimes the computer isn't working right. And sometimes you just um, can't figure out the forecast. I mean, it's tricky. Things aren't going the way you want it to go. So that's the, the triangle that we operate in every day. Yeah. Hey, 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 Kevin, I should mention you are a great tennis player at Purdue and you passed that athletic ability down. Your son played basketball at Notre Dame, right? I know you traveled. I would see you uh, on TV. I'd always look for you behind the bench or in cutaways or whatever. Uh, and I would see you as well. So I, my, my sport was tennis, but it was like fantasy camp for the Gregory family, having Matt make Notre Dame's team as a walk-on. Um, Matt was a good basketball player but not that level of player at such a high level program. He wanted to go to school where he wanted to go to school. So he went to Notre Dame, 
tried out, made it as a walk-on his freshman year and stayed all four years. Yeah. Uh, got a full scholarship his senior year. He scored 10 career points. And I think it was every 5,000 miles that we drove equal to point. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah. one, of, one of the other interesting stories, Gary, that, that Matt uh, was given the Newt Rockney Award at oh. Notre Dame for scholarship as well as basketball. And when he was given the award, they handed it to him up on the stage and Matt just kind of cleared his throat and said something to the effect that, well, I don't want you to be alarmed because my acceptance speech here will probably be shorter than the minutes I play. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach Bray about fell out of his chair and everybody just really uh, died laughing, but a lot of fun. Hey, hey you fun. mentioned laughing. I should, I should have mentioned this earlier. Because I know, and I can remember seeing some from time to time, Bob, on the air, you would you would crack up on the air and 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 be laughing, right, with the other anchors. Something would happen, and you would get going. And 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 once you get, sometimes you know, once you get laughing like that, it's tough to stop. Oh, exactly, exactly. And and I can't specifically name why. I mean, there were just certain things that happened that again, you try to bring the audience in with what's going on. And I remember some of the kids that Kevin was going to school with, they'd say, oh boy, did you see your dad last night? It was a late <laughs> news or something. And Kevin would say, no, what happened? He's always afraid I was going to get fired. Yeah, I hated it. But he, they would egg him on, whether it was Tom Cochran or Don Hine would be doing certain things to get him to last because they knew once he started, he couldn't stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so shower. Parts of Arkansas for us. Clear sky. It made me nervous, and so we're totally opposite that way. It's not possible, I don't think, for me to lose it that way. And that's the way he is in real life. Um, you want to hear what it sounds like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's outstanding. In today's today's world, I probably wouldn't get through the three first three hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. That's great. Well, hey guys, it has been uh, truly a treat to catch up. Uh, one one other thing, can I interrupt oh, yeah, yeah. just for a second? Sure. I think this is so cool. When we were both working, and I had oh. happened that on a story that we were both on at about the same time. Maybe maybe Kevin was on a minute before I was on, or something. This is the light news. And you change the graphics with like a garage door opener. You hit the clicker right. and then the scene behind changes. So that's how we do it. And up until this this evening, I had never dropped my changer, but I did that night and, and I dropped it. Well, you're on the air live, so you just have to bend down, go out of the camera scene and come back up. Well, the lady that was watching flipped over right away. He did the exact same thing you are at kidding. the exact time. And neither one of us dropped one before that or after that. That's oh kind of spooky. Gosh. I wish that I would is. have saved that tape. But the lady said, that is freaky. He drops his clicker. I, I flip over to see what you're doing. And then you dropped it. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, if my dad's uncoordinated, why would you think that I'd be coordinated? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great story and a great way to end the podcast. Guys, so appreciate you taking the time. You truly are legends uh, in the business, but also legendary good guys as well. So thanks for joining us and uh, good luck going forward. Gary, our pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate All it. Right. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. 
And you can download all of the episodes of the Business and Beyond podcast and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.